Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by SATC Solution Center, L3C. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. I'm Nathan Loverich, a legal assistant with SATC and one of the hosts of the podcast, and I'm here today with Jenny Gresla, the founder and owner of SailaFit a women's athletic apparel company making some big splashes and getting great attention in the Chicago women's athletic wear industry. Jenny, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk with you about what's new with SailaFit. But first, I want to give our listeners a little look into where you're from and what brought you to starting your company. Um, can you tell me about growing up? I know that you grew up in Northeast Indiana, I believe. So tell mm-hmm. me about that and what that was like for you. Yeah. So I, uh, I didn't love it at the time, but looking <laughs> back, I definitely loved it. Um, I am from a super, super small town. Um, it's called Burn. It's just about 40 minutes south of Fort Wayne. Um, it's a very much a farm town. So grew up out in the country, um, spent a ton of time outside. Um, I did 4-H, so I showed beef steers for 10 years. Um, my parents, it's kind of a family tradition on my mom's side of the family, um, and they thought it would t- teach us hard work. So I spent a lot of summers training cows. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and, and I would say, looking back, I would say, you know, I'm one of four kids, um, the second of four kids, actually. And uh, my parents definitely raised us with the mentality of you have to work hard for what you want out of life. And um, if there's something that isn't working, um, go after a solution, you know, find a solution. And I think that kind of motto of just working for what you want out of life has kind of carried me through. Mm. Um, and kind of fast forwarding it, it, I think looking back was a pivotal factor in starting Say La Fit. Um, but yeah, you know, growing up in Burn, Indiana was great. Yeah, well, I, I am also a former member of 4-H, <laughs> so proud alumni yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. What, what do you feel, uh, what do you think about 4-H kind of helped you to, at a young age, get an understanding of what it was like to do the hard work and to sort of, uh, they, they have these competitions in 4-H, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. so you're showing, I yeah, believe. So. yeah. Uh, what do you think about that experience to help you to really learn a lot about competition, about that hard work aspect? Yeah, so I would say for 4-H, I showed beef steers and I also did sewing. So my grandma is this amazing, I wouldn't call her a seamstress, but she made a lot of her own clothes. She made a lot of my mom and my aunt and uncle's clothes. Um, so I would say with those two areas, it was a lot of dedication a lot of hard work with the steers. It was, we would buy them as calves in the summer and then raise them throughout the year and show them as steers the following summer. So all throughout that year, it was constantly feeding them, constantly taking care of them. And then a couple months leading up to the fair, it was a it was 10 times more work because you had to train these wild animals who have never been walked by humans before. <laughs> You had to groom them and and just like 
take care of them and get them ready for show. For sewing, it was a lot of hours with my grandmother, which I'm so lucky to have had. Um, But with sewing, they pay attention or they judge you on the stitching. They judge you on the hemlines, like every little detail of the garment Mm -hmm. they judge you on. So it was a lot of, it was almost um, trying to get perfection with the pieces because if a little stitch was off, my grandma would make me rip it out and start all over again. So I would say with both, it was a lot of dedication, a lot of persistence and kind of, you know, there were tons of moments as a kid where I remember thinking like, I just want to be done with this. I'm over 4-H. I'm like, want to be done. (laughs) But I would say the the uh, the common thing or the repetition I would say definitely um, definitely helped I think later in life yeah, yeah. kind of stick with it mm-hmm. and try and make it better yeah keep going that's that's really what I remember about a lot too is just yeah. that like you know do your best you always do your best and you know it's never going to be a hundred percent perfect but you know, there's always ways to make it a little better next time and do a little better. And yeah. so it's good memories. Um, so kind of going into high school, do you feel like you were sort of coming into your own as far as who you were wanting to be in the way that you sort of did life and the way that you sort of tackled assignments or, or you know, did sports or whatever you were involved with in high school? Yeah, I would say I definitely... so. 4-H started younger, and then sports came into the picture. I was really in sports my whole life, but Mm -hmm. sports became a bigger part of the picture in high school. Um, And I did feel like I came into my own. I would say um, my sophomore year was really the first time I had experienced a big hurdle to overcome. Um, But yeah, I, I would say I definitely started to come into my own and started to figure out um, more so who I was and what I wanted for the fu- for my future. So yeah, I would say definitely. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. And so sort of in high school, you have an opportunity to do a lot more things. There's a lot more clubs. And even in a small town, I think there's mm-hmm. probably a lot of opportunities there. Was there anything that changed that was like, oh, okay, this is definitely the direction that I want to head down or, or this is something that I could see myself doing later and taking with me as I move on to adulthood. Yeah, so I played high school volleyball and ended up playing volleyball in college. Okay. Um, and I would say sports was definitely on my radar through college. Um, at one point I wanted to go into medicine, but then... <laughs> You know, figured out how hard I had to study, and I was uh, like, "Very quick point." <laughs> yeah, not not for me. Um, but I would say um, sports, volleyball was a big played a big role in where I decided to go to school, um, which led to the people that I met, which led to me, you know, ending up here in Chicago. So it definitely um, definitely played a big role. So. As you're coming out of high school and going into college, I always talk about this because it's always a fascinating thing for me where you're trying to decide at a very young age what life is going to be like for you or what you're really interested in, what you kind of want to do for a longer period of time. Obviously, sports was something that you were uh, connected with and that you, you did well in, and so that sort of became a theme for you. 
Um, but how did you come about your decision to, to go to Denison and then your decision to study what you did and sort of go that direction? Yeah, so it was a couple of things. Um, one, volleyball was a big deciding factor. Um, I had the opportunity to play at Denison. And two, going into college. So I was pre-med the first two years of college, got through OCHEM, and I was like, <laughs> no way. Um, but I, all through, I would say later, the later years of high school and early college, I was dead set on going medicine. So Denison had a great science program. It was a liberal arts school. Both my parents went to liberal arts schools, and they really, they liked that type of education, especially for medicine. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a big reason why I chose Denison. Um, went in as a pre-med major, came out as a communications and sports management major. Um, and I think looking back on that time, because it's not, because you're kind of forced to get experience in multiple areas um, with within education, um, I think my interest was piqued in the communications major because there were so many different routes that you could take it. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where you could make as much of it as you wanted or as little. So it's kind of what you made of your major is what ended up happening. Um, and I think too, going to college, you know, being raised in a super small farm town in Indiana, you don't get a lot of diversity yeah. and you don't get a lot of exposure to things outside of your bubble, if you will. And I think, um, at Denison, I had met a lot of people from different backgrounds, but I'd become exposed to, Hey, there's this area of business or, you know, there's these PR firms or these advertising agencies or whatever the case may be, um, where I thought the right path was medicine, you know, or or teaching or what have you, a, a lot of careers that you see in small towns. Um, and I think at Dennis and I was just kind of exposed to a, a broader or a bigger world that piqued yeah. my interest. So. Yeah, and in the sports world and, and kind of as you're talking in communications, um, sports is often thought of as a, a male-dominated, a male-driven sort of field. And so if you're looking into going into that, was there is any hesitancy or any thought to, like, what is it going to be like to be a female in this sort of realm and sort of coming into this where I'm guessing a lot of your uh, sports management classes had a lot of males in it, a lot of guys who were just interested in sports, who wanted to study something that had to do with sports. What was that like for you? Was there any anxiousness there or, or was there any, did you have any sort of experience with that where it would, felt different being a female doing this than maybe it would have being a male? You know, to be perfectly honest, no. Um, and I know there's a whole female movement, mm -hmm. um, you know, in business, in the workplace. And I don't know if I was just that naive or oblivious to it all, or I don't know if it's like the way my parents raised me. I, I really don't know, but I didn't really notice or didn't even give it two thoughts um, about, oh, gee, this major is mostly males. And there were definitely other females yeah. in the major as well. So I never, I never really thought about that. Um, and even in the workplace, I haven't really... Been, I, I, 
I don't feel like I've been impacted by it. Um, so yeah. And I think it goes back to my parents drilling in our heads, like, Hey, like do what you have to do to get it done and to do it well. Yeah. And again, it's like, you know, you may have to work 10 times harder than the next person to get the same opportunity or to get the same job. And, and even going back to sports, like, you know, I'm five, three, I'm not tall. Um, and volleyball is a sport where generally taller individuals are favored or they're, they're more, um, what's I'm like running out of words today. (laughs) Like they're more like, uh, I don't, I don't know, but they're, they're more sought after tall athletes. And so even throughout sports, like being short, my parents are like, Hey, you know, so-and-so may only have to work an hour and you may have to work too. And that's, yeah. that's how it goes. Yeah. So, um, in terms of the, the male dominated world, I've never, I've never really, um, let that stop me. Yeah. So you, you're now graduating from Denison kind mm-hmm. of stepping out into the world. Is that when you came here to Chicago, did that bring you here? Yeah, so right after Jenison, well, not right after, I spent the summer back in Indiana, but I moved up here in the fall of 07 with two uh, good girlfriends from college. So came up here, none of us had jobs, (laughs) signed a lease, and, you know, ended up, um, I ended up getting a job with one of the publishing companies here in Chicago, so... And what were you doing there at the publishing company? Yeah, so I I was a sales assistant there. Um, Never thought I wanted to get into sales. (laughs) Didn't even really know what magazine I was interviewing for, (laughs) (laughs) which is a story in and of itself. But um, that first job, I was lucky to have a great boss that really took me under his wing and kind of showed me the ins and outs of the business, showed me um, how to communicate with clients. And really, he was he was a very successful, very strong sales guy um, who like went way and above um, his his role as my boss to really teach me you know, how to do the business and how to be successful at it. So spent a couple of years working for him um, and then have since transitioned into other roles within the yeah. same industry. Okay. So not working with that particular company anymore, but still kind of the same industry. Yeah. So I, I started out with that company, did some um, time out on the West Coast, came back to that same company in a selling role. Um, and then I've, you know, now I'm working for a tech company in sales. So all yeah. in sales. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think, the job of sales. I know a lot of salespeople get crap for what they do because it's like, oh, like you have flexibility. You can do this, this, and this. Um, but I think there's a pressure that comes with the role um, of having that quota to meet. Um, and I think... The lack of job security with the pressure of meeting a number, um, I think, has definitely been a great, great thing to have. It took me a little while to kind of adopt a new mindset of this role, but it's been good. What do you think were some of the really tough things about being in sales at that time that really you had to work maybe a little harder to get through or, or seemed a little tougher at the time to sort of deal with? Yeah, so I think with sales, the job never is done, Mm -hmm. and it never ends. 
So your to-do list is constantly getting longer and longer. Um, and so I think that's tough because I like to check things off my to-do list and I like to be done with it. Um, but sales, you're never done. You never do enough. Um, I think another hard thing with sales is there's a lot of rejection. So it's overcoming that. So kind of being in this industry for this long, mm -hmm. you've probably seen people come in and out. Is there something about people that maybe don't enjoy the field or kind of don't make it in the field that you see is different than the people who are really in it and really thriving in it and doing it for longer periods of time? Can, are, are there things that you can identify that maybe have helped people who are doing this sort of job? Yeah, so I would say um, definitely the thick skin. Mm -hmm. uh, the thicker the skin you have, the better. <laughs> um, also persistence. Um, I once had a former boss who told me uh, no is just the first step in the sales process. Um, I think people who are good at reading people, people who are people people, mm -hmm. um, often are successful. Um, I think people who can kind of go with the flow um, or can walk the fine line of going with the flow, but also, you know, managing clients and serving their clients um, are successful. Um, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the personality behind this sales, because that's what, always what I think about when I think of sales. They're always like, well, you have the personality for sales or like you really got to sort of like up your personality. So what is it like for you in, in working with different people in sales to, to kind of see that? And what does that mean to have like a personality for sales? So I think when I first entered the business, when I heard, oh, that that person has the personality of a salesperson, mm -hmm. um, I often thought of like super aggressive kind of the in-your-face um, type of person. The, you know, they're not shy, they're not quiet, they'll speak their mind, they're always the first people to raise their hands, that kind of thing. Um, but I think over the years that has changed and evolved. Um, and for me, I never thought of myself as being the in-your-face, very aggressive salesperson, yeah. which is why when I was a sales assistant and, and an account manager, I was like, I could never do this job. I will fail miserably at it. Um, but I think, uh, I think now the personality is, at least in, my, in the industry that I'm currently doing my day job in, is uh, one that you know, you're a teacher, you're persistent, but you're not in their face. Mm -hmm. um, you're honest with them. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, you want to make the sale, but again, if you are honest with your clients, I think that goes a long way. And I, and I kind of view a sales role or a successful sales role as being more of a teacher versus a seller. Because especially, you know, in the tech world, in the advertising world, the things are changing so quickly. Yeah. So um, it's a lot of education. So you almost become more of that consultative person versus a seller, which is more up my alley yeah. in terms of selling. So you're doing the sales thing. Mm -hmm. you're, you're just really getting out there. And it seems like 
doing well in in that role. Mm -hmm. And then you come to the realization (laughs) that something is missing in the world that needs to be added in. And I find it really interesting when I was doing some research and getting ready for this. Um, I've known about your company for some time, uh, getting to be a friend in real life. So it's, yeah. it's great. Uh, and I've known sort of what you've done. Unfortunately for me, not really in my realm of uh, what I would buy because yeah. uh, I know it's women's active wear. But, Men's uh, hopefully is in the future. <laughs> well, there we hopefully. go. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but in doing some research, I found it so interesting because uh, there was an article where you made a point that I've heard before, but it, things tend to resonate more with me when it's people that I actually know and people that I can relate with. But mm-hmm. when you were saying there was something missing, and I know that you were wanting to get active and wanting to just sort of, you know, get that summer body going, and and there just wasn't there wasn't the right thing for you there, and so you just were trying to fill a need. Uh, can you talk about where you were at in life when this sort of realization came along and what need that was? Yeah, so how it all came about was, you know, I'll quickly touch on my younger years. So yeah. always being in sports, always being physically active. I never had issue finding clothes that fit. It didn't even cross my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I could walk into a store and find a tank top and felt good in it and I could wear it as as is. Um, Then in my mid-20s, went through some life stuff, um, as most people do at some point in their life, and I ended up putting on a significant amount of weight in a very short period of time. And it was the first time when I tried to get back on the workout train, when I tried to get back into shape and just taking care of myself, um, I remember going out shopping trying to find tank tops and I couldn't find anything that fit and ended up wearing like big baggy t-shirts with leggings to the gym and I think that was the first realization that I had um at that time I didn't it wasn't an overnight decision I noodled with the idea um was like, oh, this is too big. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I can sew these pieces myself, but to go into like major production, it's just too much. Like I have no idea. So I would say from the time that I had that experience to when I actually took the initiative, it was actually two years, a couple of years. Because um, I was living out in LA at the time. And then I moved back here. You know, I was out there for two years. So Um, It had been a couple years, ran the idea by some friends, and one thing just kind of led to the the other. Um, But to kind of go back to your question, I get distracted. (laughs) Um, But to go back to your question, um, I think that first realization that I had, fast forward to when I decided to pursue this, Um, A couple of things happened. First, I was reminded of, hey, my parents were like, if you don't see something that you like, maybe there's a need for it, you know, and if it interests you, pursue it. Um, So I think that mentality, along with I had sent out, I created this really casual 10 question survey about workout tops. And... I sent it to maybe 50 or 60 people who passed it on to their friends, ended up getting a couple hundred responses back. 
did the whole data analysis thing. And I think a lot of the things that I saw were mm-hmm. a lot of common themes with as in regards to tank tops. Mm-hmm. They were too tight in the midsection. Um, people had to buy up a size to fit um, – or had to buy up a size in the stomach area. They didn't cover the butt. And it was like a number of different details, but it was very common. So I was like, okay, so maybe there's something here. If there's nothing in the market, why not do something myself about it? So um, talked to some friends, and then I reached out to you guys, to John, actually, yeah. about making it official. Um, and then it just kind of spiraled, started out with two tank tops. Um, those did really well. And then, you know, again, spiral, met some more people. Um, other people came into my life, which, you know, helped me bring it to what it is today. But it was really, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think not being able to find clothes that I felt comfortable in, um, played a big a big role and then have since I've like come to realize some things um, about the industry and about the current offerings that um, I mean I think there's still some gaps but yeah that's kind of how it all started so you're just looking at filling a need that you saw in your own life and you thought well maybe other people have this same thing maybe they need this same thing and yeah. so maybe there's something here yeah I started it kind of selfishly because I'm like I'm not <laughs> finding clothes that I like or that I would want to wear so, you know, I'll design it. And if it doesn't do well, then I'll just have all these tops for myself. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, best of both worlds. One of the things that I learned uh, in preparation that I thought was really interesting was that your name, Salafit, actually has a meaning in and of itself. I, I didn't know this until I, I looked at this, but um, I'll let you share the, the meaning of the word Sela <laughs> and Salafit. Yeah, so it started out as first an acronym for the journey. So I think of it as like steps in the journey to becoming your best self. So first is you have to see your potential. So the S for Sela. E was embrace the journey because it's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Um, The L was live with intention. Um, And then the A was act with perseverance. So that's how it started out. Then I later came to find out that Selah means rock in Hebrew, and it just kind of fit perfectly with what I want the brand to be about. You know, Mm -hmm. I want the brand to be a source for women to come to whatever part of the journey they're in, whether they're first-timers or avid gym goers or, you know, whatever, whatever area of the journey they're on, I want the brand to be able to support that. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you gotten to talk to women who have been looking for something like what you're providing or who have found your product and been like, I, I've been looking for this for so long and hear their stories about what it's like to have something out there that is for them, that, that is made for whatever body type that you might have. Absolutely. I think I've heard from um, several women just, um, and more recently for the current line, the versatility. So one of the big things is that um, women have, I mean, everybody has good days and bad days. Mm -hmm. There's some days where you're feeling super confident and, you know, you may want to show off a little bit more or you have, bad days where you don't necessarily want to. And I think 
Um, I've heard from a lot of women the different pieces and the different variety um, of options that they have with the line um, has been very appreciative of them, or they've been very appreciative of. Um, I also, we offer a pretty wide range of sizes, so extra small all the way to 3X, and everything is the same price regardless of the size, which that's something that I learned um, was a big thing. Mm -hmm. I was completely unaware of that, and it didn't even cross my mind to charge more or less based on the size. Um, So I've I've received a lot of feedback about that. Um, Yeah, I mean, and just the pieces, I think, um, how they fit women, how they're versatile. Um, A lot of the women that have bought the leggings wear them to work, wear them outside of just working out, which um, I wasn't intending for, but also... You know, I want to cater to the realistic woman. You know, she's, you know, she's a busy woman. She um, has a lot on her plate, and so she needs that versatility. So, What is it like for you to think about being in these women's journeys and being a part of what they're doing, not just in trying to be healthy and fit, but also, like you were saying, she's busy, she's, you know, very active, doing a lot of things. What is it like for you to be a part of the everyday life of the women who are purchasing your product and to be part of the journey towards being a healthy, just well-rounded, fit individual? Mm -hmm. I love it. I mean, I think um, I feel like they do as much for me as the brand does for them. Um, I think for me, it keeps me in check because I'm human and Mm -hmm. there are days where I hate certain parts of my body and there's other days where I love those parts. And uh, I think it keeps me in check um, and it keeps me realistic. Uh, I think one of the things with Sela Fit is that there's this whole movement about body positivity. And one of the things that drives me nuts about it is that I don't think it's realistic because I feel like a lot of the messaging out there is you have to love yourself 100% of the time. And if you don't, then, you know, shame on you. And I think for the brand, I want it to be realistic. So um, I definitely want women to love themselves 100% of the time. But if, when, if and when they have those bad days, it's okay. Like, I want them to know there's no shame around it. You know, if you hate your arms one day, that's fine. It's all a matter of how you move forward and how you get yourself out of that rut. Um, and I think for me, it's the working on the brand and working with the women who are ordering the products, I think it's a great reminder and a great thing to keep me in check. Because I think for me personally, it's easy for me to laser focus on a certain part or, oh, if I didn't go to the gym, you know, this morning, I'm going to beat myself up about it all day. So I think having that constant reminder um, is great. And then it's just also, it's super motivating when you get those emails or those notes from the consumers who just feel very supported by the brand and and motivated. So, yeah. I think it's encouraging for people to know that there are people out there, there are people in their corner who understand, who have been in the journey and who are saying, look, we're here with you, whether you're having a good day or a bad day, 
But let's work towards getting more of those good days, so that when the bad days come, it doesn't just kind of overwhelm you and doesn't make you sort of spiral. But you're just saying, "No, I know there are going to be better days ahead." Yeah. And I think for your brand, what's really interesting to me is that there's so much focus towards making women feel positive about who they are in more than just what they're wearing or what they look like, and. Um, I noticed that you are a contributor to Girls in the Game, mm -hmm. and so that's another way that you're sort of living that out. Tell me about that relationship and maybe how that got started and how you contribute to that. Yeah, so I knew early on when I started Say La Fit, um, I wanted there to be a give back component. Um, and I also, I wanted it to be with an organization that works with girls um, and knowing knowing the mindset I had growing up and kind of the insecurities that I had growing up, um, I can only imagine what those are like today. Mm -hmm. You know, with social media, with all the technology and everything, I feel like everyone is under a microscope. So I feel like young girls today are a lot more susceptible to negative body image. Um, you know, just like, I would say that they're under way more pressure than what I was growing up. Um, and so I think, you know, when I found girls in the game and seeing what they do, it just, the stars aligned. And it was their mission with girls elementary all the way through high school is what Sayla Fitz's mission is for grown women. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. I, I think I think feeling good about yourself plays a huge role and kind of bleeds out into other areas of your life. So if you're not feeling good physically or if you're not healthy, that's going to impact so many areas of your yeah. life. And what Girls in the Game does is they work with girls elementary all the way through high school. They get them involved in sports, physical activity, leadership activities, um, kind of you know, working with these girls with the resources that they have to help them be the best version of themselves. And I think if you start working with them at a young age, those values and those thoughts and those mindsets are going to be way stronger by the time they get to that age where, you know, things are changing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I think another big thing, I, I helped out at their summer camp, I think it was last summer. And one of the things that really struck me is, is that they work with these girls all the way through high school and they have their high schoolers lead their elementary and middle schoolers. So it's kind of like they're grooming these girls to become leaders, and then the older girls can give back to the younger ones. And so um, I just really, I, I really like, you know, what they're doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me what was really hard about maybe starting Sayla Fit or doing Sayla Fit as you're also working a day job, a full-time job mm -hmm. on the other end. What's really hard about that for you? Oh, gosh, there's so many hard things. <laughs> um, I think the first kind of hurdle was just not knowing. Yeah. You know, I can sew basic things, but not, not really having any knowledge about the manufacturing process, not really having any knowledge about 
um, the fashion industry. I think that was the hardest thing. Um, and then I think more recently, and as the brand continues to grow, it's kind of like the financial end of things. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a person who likes security. I'm a saver. I am a penny pincher. <laughs> I'm very like frugal. And I think this whole experience has forced me to kind of loosen loosen the grip on my finances. I'm still being responsible, but loosening that grip and also um, kind of being more open to the unknown. I think, and I, I would say, yeah, I don't know if that makes yeah. There's a, there's a ton of challenges. Right. Um, but let's talk about the unknown a little bit mm-hmm. because when you're starting a company, the unknown far outweighs the known. And then hopefully as you get into a little more, mm-hmm. you start to feel a little more comfortable. Maybe some answers come to you. Some things start to make a little sense. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes the unknown is how you can really connect with the people who are maybe trying out your product for the first time or who are interested in what you're doing. And so what about the unknown for you has driven you to continue to do what you do, even though maybe you haven't gotten those answers that you thought you might have by now? Yeah. I mean, I think I've always approached Sela Fit with the mindset of as long as doors keep opening, I'll keep going through. Hmm. The minute they stop opening... I'll revisit and maybe say now is the time to you know hang up hang up my hat. Yeah. Um, but I think I think what I've noticed along the way is every time I like begin to question what in the world am I doing, something happens to make me want to take it further. Mm. Whether that's being introduced to a certain person who gives me more insight into this area or, um, you know, whether it's, you know, I had, you know, I had a great quarter at my day job that opens opportunities for, you know, other parts. Um, I think I've always gotten that little nugget of encouragement along the way. Um, And, you know, right as... looking back on some of my experiences of like right as you know you're about to hit that major roadblock something happens or somebody says something to you or you know somebody introduces you to somebody else and it just um it just continues to come so I'm gonna continue to pursue it yeah and I think there's a really good lesson in that in being that somebody for other people too Mm -hmm. who You know, if you have friends who are entrepreneurs or who have ideas of things that they want to do, even just those little words of encouragement or Mm -hmm. or kind of helping push them along or, you know, the the introductions, they do make a big difference. Even if it doesn't seem like it, even if it seems like a very simple thing, they can make a big difference to someone Mm -hmm. who is going through this wondering if this could be something big. Oh, absolutely. And I think, I think too, um, I, ha- I call them my moments of freak out where I just like start freaking out. Like, what, what am I doing? I shouldn't be doing this. Or I shouldn't be doing that. And I'll, I've always been a daddy's girl. So I'll call my dad and he always knows the right thing to say. And he is constantly reminding me, he's like, look, like 
who cares if this fails? Who cares if this succeeds? Like, you're getting an education and you're learning. And he's like, you can't put a price tag on that. And so I think having that mindset of, hey, like, I'm getting all this experience. I'm meeting all these great people. Um, And so I think that kind of helps with the unknown as well um, because it's just that constant, you know, constant encouragement or constant uh, reminders of what direction to, to go in. Yeah, and so the the fashion and and the manufacturing stuff is all one side of it, and then you kind of flip to the other side, and you got the business end and mm-hmm. the legal stuff to go along with yeah. that. And so I know you mentioned John and, and getting his help, but mm-hmm. what was it like for you to be like, oh, okay, I need to make this official, and where do I start with all that? So... I feel like I may have had a conversation with my dad and he was like, you need to find somebody up there. And uh, I had met John through church up here in Chicago Mm -hmm. and a couple of my girlfriends had started their own company who had worked with John. So again, it's like the right people in your path. Um, But my dad has always been a very big person of get everything in writing, (laughs) like make sure all your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted. And so that was actually the first step that I took was talking to John. I hadn't even started, I don't think, any of the sketches, any of the designs at that point. I think that was the first step I took was to establish that LLC and to make it official. Yeah. And you feel like that was really advantageous for you. Yeah. And, And it was because, one, it made it, official legally mm-hmm. um but it also was like all right you're you're doing this like there's no turning back there's <laughs> no more excuses there's no like you you got to do it yeah. um and so i think that was kind of the first step of of moving forward yeah and so i know you mentioned a new line mm-hmm. and possibly some menswear stuff later later hopefully. down the road hopefully fingers crossed <laughs> But tell me about the the future of Salafit. If you could have your your ideal Salafit future, what would that look like for you, and what would that look like for your consumer? Yeah, I mean, right now it's just women's. So big, super big picture. I would love to do men's and then also children's. Mm-hmm. Um, that's way down the road. Um, but I think. I would love to continue creating pieces that really just make women feel good. And even men and kids, when that comes into the picture. Um, I think I would love to get more involved with the community. So as the brand grows, become more involved in various events and and um, organizations and that kind of thing. But I think top level view I just want to continue to create pieces that make people feel good because you know I think health and wellness is so important and going through my own journey seeing where I was then versus where I am now it just makes a huge difference and I think a lot of the world's problems um I mean there's a ton of them but I think a lot of them could be solved just starting out with 
meeting people where they are. Yeah. So. Good. Well, Sailor Fit has gotten some great press, and I've been reading. It's very impressive, the people who are saying great things about Sailor Fit, and so I'm really excited for you. I want to give you an opportunity as we close here. I want to give you an opportunity to speak to, I think specifically, young women who are thinking about doing something like this, starting their own thing, Mm -hmm. or who are even just thinking about what they want to do in their future, just the opportunity to speak to these young women and say, if I could leave you with anything, this is what I want you to know. I would say if there's any woman or any individual really who's looking to start their own business, I say do it. I think if you have an idea or if you have a passion or any interest, um, just go for it. Yeah. And, and, I think, too, I I would want them to know that there are definitely going to be challenges. There's definitely going to be stuff that's hard, and um, but you're going to learn a lot. And I think the learning is worth it. The things that you learn are worth it. Whether it succeeds or fails, just go for it. Nice. So, yeah. Well, Jenny, if people are interested in Fit or interested in connecting with you. Can you tell us how we can do that? What are some ways that we can get connected with SailaFit? Yeah, so um, you can head over to Um so Can is, you spell that out for people? They uh, yes, it's uh, S-E-L-A-F-I-T.com. Um, you can submit general inquiries there. Uh, you can send me an email at Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at Um And then we also have, we're on Facebook and Instagram. So we're always taking messages via those platforms as well. Great. So. Well, it's really good to catch up. It's been really good to, to hear about your journey and about what inspired you. I think I'm leaving a little inspired, and I hope our listeners are as well. Thank you for joining us here today, Jenny. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun. (laughs) Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Bridging Chicago podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solution Center. As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media with your comments and suggestions. You can email us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Bridging Chicago. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the SATC Solutions Center, Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the host and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts 
under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to, for use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.